0: This is the Vince Salerno Podcast, episode 29. On today's episode, we begin our look back at the Marvel Cinematic Universe leading up to Avengers Infinity War, starting with the very first Iron Man. Also, we're talking about Joaquin Phoenix taking on the role of the Joker, the first Venom trailer, and much more. So sit back and relax, because the Vince Salerno Podcast starts right now. Hey everybody, welcome to the Vince Salerno Podcast, episode 29 on this Monday, February 12th, 2018, almost said 17. I'm your host, Vince Salerno, and today I'm joined by another special guest. This person is a lot like me, uh, wears the same type of clothes, likes the same types of things, uh, loves talking about movies, comic books, Uh, Star Wars, all the great things I love talking about. It's, I'm just kidding. There is no special guest today. (laughs) Um, yeah, this is actually really weird. This is the first time in a long time that I have not had a special guest on my podcast. And not to say that's a bad thing. I, um, enjoy talking by myself sometimes, but I guess I've gotten so, uh, used to having a special guest on the show. It's just never occurred to me that, um... You know, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a strange. I don't I don't I don't want to say it's a strange thing Not because, of course, I'm used to it. This is how the podcast began. i for crying out loud. I started the first episode by myself just talking about stuff. And uh, let me just look like I'm looking at my podcast right now. And I've gone nine episodes, nine episodes in a row, all with special guests. So it's been nine episodes since I've done one by myself. This is kind of kind of new territory, almost unfamiliar in a way. But regardless, I'm happy to be just talking, me, myself, and I, for, for a bit of a change. Mainly because I want this, I, I, I guess, you know, 2018 you're bringing on new things. Um, but yeah, it's just me for now. Um, there will be other special guests uh, coming onto the Vince Lerner podcast in the future, of course. You'll probably see the return of J.J. Schindler, Gabe Moore, Shelby Turner, um, and many others, uh, new people that I've met over the past couple months that have become close friends of mine, maybe even a return of Rose Dayton. As most of you know, she was finally on the podcast. I've been trying to get her on the show for so long. She's such an amazing friend, amazing person, uh, super talented. And I was just, it was so great to get her on the show because she has such great insights on so many different things. And hopefully that's not the last time she's on the show, but it was such a huge deal to me to finally get her on the show. So please check that episode out if you can. Um, well, as you guys have probably. Um, Uh, heard, this is going to be the beginning of our countdown to Infinity War, where we're taking a look back at all the MCU films leading up to Avengers Infinity War, and just, you know, how the landscape and how the genre and how the whole plan to Infinity War kind of changed, and uh, really changed our perception of the superhero genre. It's a really amazing journey, and um, I get emotional sometimes just thinking about it, because these are characters that we've uh, learned to love and grow up with, and, you know, I thought of a world without Tony Stark, or, sorry, Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man because they're so irreplaceable, the fact that we might not get Chris Evans as Captain America again, or, or Chris Hemsworth as Thor, Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk, like, these roles have have embedded themselves into the, into the actors that portray them, and it's hard to picture anybody else in the role, so it's very hard to think to talk about, obviously, but, um, you know, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> so yeah, this first episode is going to be all about talking about Iron Man. But first, we have uh, top three stories, as most of you guys know. Uh, if you watched the previous episode, I'm not doing top five anymore. I'm doing top three, just to save more time for the actual uh, topic of the week, which tends to run a lot longer than expected. So it's also, I'm hoping to make these episodes a lot shorter than they have been. They've been about an hour and Hour and 15 minutes, hour 30, and I, I needed to cut that out. But, anyways, let's get into the top three. Starting with number one. The first official trailer for Marvel and Sony's Venom movie has just debuted. It stars Tom Hardy, the fantastic Tom Hardy, as Eddie Brock, aka Venom. We got Michelle Williams, Rosa Med, Scott Hayes, Reed Scott, Woody Harrelson's in this movie, um, Jenny Slate is in this movie. Uh, a lot of phenomenal talent. And the first trailer, does it really hold up? Personally, I don't think so. I honestly didn't like this trailer, uh, seeing it firsthand. Uh, it, it's really kind of boring. You don't get that it's Venom until the very end when they show you the stupid graphic of his eyes and his teeth. Albeit, if that's what he's going to look like in the movie, that's a very true adaptation of true look. Of Venom and I'm really happy about that but it just it it rails me the wrong way to see Venom to see this being our first look at Venom at least offer a tease of what he looks like and you know now that I think about it the film finished production like a week ago and they already have a trailer out it's like I'm sorry but if you want to get fans excited Wait a couple of weeks, or get the visual effects done, and then show us the trailer. I, I don't mind waiting a, a couple months. I mean, the movie comes out in October for crying out loud, and we already have a trailer. If anything, you know, I was talking to some friends who aren't as well-versed into the comic book world as I am, at least movies per se, and they, you know, they're okay with it. They got the idea that it was Venom, and it was a character that was kind of obscure and anti-hero, and... They liked the trailer because they didn't show Venom, and I thought that was a very ballsy move. And I think I agree; it's a ballsy move to not show Venom in his true form in this trailer. But you want to give you want to give the fans something to look forward to. I mean, I've been saying to, to a lot of people, like, it, honestly, if I didn't know it was a Venom movie, it looks like a Jason Bourne reboot with a science fiction element, where he's got like a multiple personality disorder or something like that. So, yeah. But, I mean, look, the movie's got a lot working for it. Ruben Fleischner's directing it. Tom Hardy is playing Venom. And he, they it looks like they're really trying to make a true a true adaptation of this character, something that people were robbed of at Spider-Man 3. I didn't really care because I didn't know much about the character Venom, and I, I liked Spider-Man 3, not as much as the other ones, obviously, but, you know. And you know, like I said, there's just a phenomenal cast. Just so many great people. Michelle Williams, uh, most of all. Uh, Riz Ahmed, who was just in um, in Star Wars. There's rumors he might be playing uh, Carnage, and I really hope that we get Carnage in this movie. That'd be just fantastic. And there's another uh, another issue about whether this movie is actually taking place in the MCU. If we're going to see Spider-Man from the MCU Tom Holland or Peter Parker, current rumors that we're going to see Peter Parker just as Peter Parker not Spider-Man. But I think you need to set this movie in the MCU. You know, it doesn't have to connect to anything, doesn't have to build up to anything going on with those characters, but come on, just just connect It it, it it's part of the world so he needs to quit screwing around and just let Venom be part of that world because we want to see Spider-Man and Venom I mean Venom is a cool character on his own but Spider-Man and Venom like that's that's something we really want to see especially with Tom Holland who's in my opinion the best Spider-Man we've gotten so far so eh first trailer it's a teaser so there's definitely room for improvement but I rest assured I think we're gonna see Venom we're just going to have to wait a while. So, is the trailer terrible? No, but does it really get me excited for the movie? Kind of? Yeah, it's difficult. I apologize for the piano playing in the background. If you can hear that, and if you can. Um, I have some friends who are working in the studio next to me that are putting together a little sound studio that I might record my podcast in. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, sorry about that. All right, moving on to number two. We got a first clip for uh, Wes Anderson's new stop-motion animated movie, *The Isle of Dogs*. Now, the part of the reason why I chose this story is because I just want to talk about *The Isle of Dogs* because I'm so excited for this movie. It's in my top ten of must-sees for 2018. Uh, But the the first clip, uh, wow! Just the reason why I want to talk about it too is because it's really brutal. Like, a dog's ear gets ripped off, and you see, like, little drips of blood, and it's just, it's, it's kind of violent, and I, I, I hate, I hate movies where dogs get hurt, or dogs die. Like, I've, I've been avoiding John Wick for quite some time, because I heard that there's a dog that dies in the movie. Spoilers, sorry. But I just can't handle it. Like, those homeward bound movies where the dog and the cat are in peril and they kind of die, they almost die it's like i can't handle that it's it just stresses me out why would you want to put animals in that situation it's not pleasant it just brings me uh, it makes me sad i don't i don't have a i mean i do kind of have a strong connection to animals i have i have seven cats back at home and two dogs um but even even before owning animals i always had this hatred of movies that, like, tortured animals or put them through these painful situations. And this movie, I, I, I don't know why I'm so excited for this movie because it seems like it's no different. But, I mean, the reason why I'm so excited is because it's it, it's Wes Anderson back in his element. And not that he ever left the element, but, you know, it's back in this stop-motion element that he knows so very well. And it looks like a very colorful, um, diverse, interesting an intense movie. Um, definitely a Far Cry, it seems, from Fantastic Mr. Fox, which was a lot more whimsical and fun, and uh, I, know, I guess I haven't seen it, but maybe there's violence in that too. I know there's a rat that dies, but yeah. Anyways, I, 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 I'm, I'm excited for this movie, though. The cast, the cast looks amazing. Brian Cranston, Edward Norton, Bill Murray, Jeff Goldblum, Greta Gerwig, Frances McDormand, Courtney B. Vance, Keen Wattenby, I'm sorry if I didn't say that right, uh, Liv Schreiber, Scarlett Johansson, F. Murray Abraham, Tilda Swinton, just, I mean, some of, uh, uh, Wes Anderson's sort of mainstay uh, actors that he normally works with, and, but it's just like looking at the poster right now, there's just so many characters, and each dog has their own little quirk to him, like some of them are, you know, one of them looks like partially blind, one of them's Two of them have lost an eye. Two of them are robotic. Some of them you know, are more prim and proper. Some of them aren't. Some of them are dirty. Some of them have bulging eyes. Um, it's, a cra- it's It looks like it's going to be a really, I don't want to say fun, but I'm looking forward to it. it. It's Wes Anderson. He always delivers on these very interesting and stylistic movies. Uh, you know, the dog violence definitely gets me, um, rubs me the wrong way just because, like I said, I can't do that. It's just, ugh. If you're going to torture your animals, count me out. But for, for Wes Anderson, I'll bite, the t- I'll bite my tongue and I will check it out. Uh, this movie opens in theaters on March 23rd, so if you're looking forward to it, that's when to go see it. All right, next on our top three Joaquin Phoenix is in talks to play the Joker in a standalone DC movie. Oh my gosh, I haven't had a chance to talk about this story, but I hate the 5,000 DC movies that are in development right now because it's clear that DC has no idea what the flapjack they're doing. They are so ass-backwards, excuse my language, with this, with what they're doing, they have no idea how to make this thing work. They're making a solo Joker film that is outside the DCEU, and then they're making the Batman movie possibly outside the DCEU. We don't know for sure because people are so... No one will tell us anything. They clearly have no plan, nothing they're building up to. They're just throwing up movie ideas left and right. And this, this is one of them. And it's, it, it's nauseating how many ideas, like the stupid Harley Quinn movie, solo film, and then the Harley Quinn movie about her being with the Joker, like a Harley Quinn versus Joker movie or something stupid like that. And then a Birds of Prey, Gotham Sirens. It's, it's just so many stupid ideas that nobody, nobody wants. No one wants to see Flashpoint, at least not at this point. No, I see what it did there. Nobody wants to see Harley Quinn's three dumb movie ideas, and no one wants to see this Joker idiot film where he's just by himself. And I'm, and I'm, nobody wants to see these films. And I, and honestly, I don't want to see this Joker movie either. But Joaquin Phoenix. Now I'm interested. I'll be honest. Joaquin Phoenix in this attached to this film gets me really excited because I, I think Joaquin – he's one of my favorite actors. I mean, he was up for Doctor Strange, and I was so on board for that, but he lost it to, uh, debatably, a better person for the role, Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, and it kind of shows that he's interested in that genre uh, to get on a more uh, positive note. He's interested in that genre, which is a good thing. Um, and I think he's an interesting choice, but he's also an inspired choice because you know whatever he's going to commit to, he's going to commit 110% to that role. So people still keep coming in here. I need to put up a sign. <laughs> um, and he's got an okay team attached to with him. You know, you got Todd Phillips, uh, who did the Hangover trilogy, not the most celebrated of trilogies. And, I mean, Martin Scorsese is... He's. I guess he is a producer. You really can't tell if Martin Scorsese is involved or not because when this report came out like six months ago, it said that he was part of the film. Now I'm reading a report from Variety and it says he's not, or that he's not. He's not mentioned in the press release, so I don't know what the deal is with that. Maybe they're just taking inspiration from him. Maybe he gave some advice. Maybe he's not involved at all. I'm not sure. But do I want this movie? No. I don't want this movie. I don't want anything that DC is throwing up because they don't know what to do. I don't want any of it. If, if you know what I want, I want Batman. I want Man of Steel two. I want Justice League two. I want um, Wonder Woman two. Which I mean, we're getting, of course. I want the Flash, but I want I want uh, Rick Famuyiwa's Flash. I don't want this stupid Flashpoint comedy movie. Flashpoint is a very serious, like, Days of Future Past type story. You can't just do some- you can't just do that. You haven't earned it. And DC is trying to please comic book fans by doing stories that they haven't earned. Marvel, the reason why they can do Civil War, The Winter Soldier, Infinity War, Age of Ultron, they earned the right to tell those stories. And for the most part, all those stories have been successful and well-received. Some may not like them, some do. But you cannot argue that Marvel earned those, those moments. DC is, like I keep saying, throwing up ideas and seeing what sticks. They have no plan, no sense of direction of where this is going. They just want to play catch-up. And it's these idiots who keep ruining these movies, these executives who keep nosing themselves in. Cut this out. Cut that out. Make it a tighter movie. Make it more like a Marvel movie. Blah, blah, blah. It's nauseating. So I'm kind of done with DC, with the exception of Aquaman because it's James Wan and Wonder Woman because Patty Jenkins. <laughs> and with the exception of anything Ben Affleck does as Batman, I'm done with DC. I'm sorry, and Superman too. I love Superman. Uh, Henry Cavill's a great Superman. I'm done with DC until they can get their shit together because it's just—it's ridiculous. It's—it's it's so aggravating what they're doing, and it's so simple to resolve. And I don't know, movies aren't aren't easy to make, but if you just—if you think about it, tell a story about a character, and it's so easy to do. It's so easy to craft an emotional story around a character. As professional filmmakers and professional movie producers, you should know how to do this. So please, take a page from someone who's doing it right, cough, cough, Kevin Feige, Marvel Studios, and sure, make your Joker solo film. Fine, I'll check it out because Joaquin Phoenix is in it. Hopefully. But otherwise, yeah. Yeah. And I'm sorry that this turned into a DC ranting thing, but I'm—I mean, all—all all jokes aside, all anger aside, I'm excited for Joaquin Phoenix possibly playing the Joker, but they got—they really got to get their act together because I don't know what the hell they're doing. All right, so that was the top three running down the list again. That was first trailer for uh, Marvel and Sony's Venom first clip for the Isle of Dogs showing a brutal dogfight that I don't like at all, <laughs> and Joaquin Phoenix may play the Joker in a DC standalone movie. And now we're on to our topic of the week as we begin the recap of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, starting with the first movie, Iron Man. Now, first I just want to touch on how much the Marvel Cinematic Universe means to me, because I, I walked into Iron Man not knowing what to expect, not knowing it was going to be this big hit that would kick off a cinematic universe. And I was so excited because I'd never seen this before. I saw, you know, Hulk, the Incredible Hulk movie. You see Tony Stark appear at the end of that. You see Captain America and Thor. And initially you're just thinking these are just movies that are coming out. They're not going to have any correlation with each other. They are just just happen to be by the same studio. And then you hear about the Avengers, and it's like, what what the hell's the Avengers? And you hear Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, Mark Ruffalo, and Chris Hemsworth. The actors who played those characters in those movies are coming back to unite as superheroes in this ultimate superhero team. And I was already a big Marvel fan at the time. I knew of Captain America. I knew of Hulk. I knew of Spider-Man. I had no idea who Thor and Iron Man were, and I could care less until the movie came out, obviously. So I I guess I was kind of excited uh, with the idea of seeing Captain America and Hulk in the same movie. But then when you see all these films and you realize, oh my gosh, this is really happening. These universes are inhabiting the same world. It's really exciting, and it it gets me really excited talking about it. Just thinking about that at that time when I was a kid, experiencing this crossover, this unprecedented crossover for the first time ever. I I was blown away by what I was seeing because I was already a fan of superheroes and Marvel, but I was more I loved Spider-Man more than any other character. And once I got into Captain America, more I saw Wow, this guy's my favorite character. And when the Avengers came out, just like what? And that's one of my all-time favorite movies because of what it did and what it did for the universe it builds, what it did for. Um, that just for the movie in general, being such a tightly knitted film, and what it means for the future of superhero films going forward, which we'll get to later on, but I mean I, I'm getting off topic. Let's focus on phase one, step one, movie one, Iron Man. So Kevin Feige wanted had the idea to do this crossover of cinematic universe movies, and you know, it was just like let's let's focus on making one. Really good movie. Let's start with Iron Man. A character who's never been done before. Not a lot of people know about. But let's just do it and see what happens. And if, you know, if God willing it works, we'll do another one. And, you know, he, the hope was to do a crossover, but they never knew this was going to work. Um, but Kevin Feige, being the genius he is, he played his cards right and he said, let's just focus on making one good movie. And that's what Iron Man is. It's just a really good movie on its own take it away from the entire marvel cinematic universe ignore the fact that it's of this world with other superheroes and that there's you know that that he's in the avengers and crosses over with captain america all these things iron man is just a solid movie you can you can take this movie out of that universe stand it on its own it's just it's solid and it's and it it's just master filmmaking by Jean Favreau. I, I every time I watch, it, I'm just wowed by how how simple the movie is, how emotional, how engaging, how well developed the characters are and their relationships and their dilemmas and their and their flaws. It's just it's crazy. It's 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 so simple, and I think we're losing a little bit of that nowadays with films and just the simplicity of making a. Good movie, and not worrying about spectacle or special effects or anything like that. There's very minimal amount of of um, of uh, sorry, not special effects, visual effects. There's a very limited amount of visual effects in this movie, with the exception of the Iron Man suit. Of course, that's obviously a big part of it. But I mean, I was watching the behind the scenes featurette for this movie, and a lot of it's practical. Like there's a guy walking when they when when uh, Tony Stark is flying the Mark II the all-silver-chrome suit, there's a guy actually in that suit. And, of course, they CGI over a little bit just to, you know, compensate for extra shine and, you know, covering up any uh, um, green screen parts on his costume. But it's a guy in a full-fledged suit and, you know, actual stunts. And it's just it just really... I appreciate that, you know, the, the trying to make things feel as real as possible because... That's the other reason why Iron Man succeeds so well is because it feels real. It's set in our world during the Afghan War, a war on terrorism, real like you know military-based facts and 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 um, weapons of mass destruction, uh, versed very well versed in that world, and it's just a fascinating thing to watch. It, it really is, and I'm you know some people may think, oh, but it's just a superhero movie, you know, what's so special about it? It's like, trust me, this is coming from a superhero nerd who's loved superheroes his entire life and you know, I I honestly, when Iron Man was coming out, I didn't think anything of it. I was like, cool, Iron Man. I don't know if it's going to be good, but it looks cool. Until I saw the movie, you really have, it's one of those things where you have to see it to believe it. Because when I saw the film, I was blown away. I was like, I cannot believe I Underestimated this movie, and I remember it vividly. I was in a theater with my one of my, one of my friends, uh, filmmaker buddies Dylan, back in the day. Uh, there, we had this small little uh, five dollar theater in our small town of Glenwood, Iowa, and nobody was there. Not a single person was there. It was just me and him. We sat in like the the front row because. It was kind of set up like a proscenium stage, where the screen was actually on the stage. It was kind of weird, but we could we could see the movie perfectly from the front, without like looking up at the screen. We were the only ones in there, and it was we had a blast watching this movie. We were so, so thrilled and on such a high for like filmmaking. It was, it was yeah, yeah. I, I that was that's a filmmaking that's a movie watching experience I'll never forget. But I missed the post credit scene with. Uh, with Nick Fury I missed it I didn't even think to stay in the theater to watch it I was so taken aback by the movie and everything it did I didn't even think to stay for the credits and you know it never occurred because post-credit scenes weren't that famous back in the day so I guess I shouldn't blame myself too much but I would have loved to have been in the theater and seeing that like what the hell is the Avenger initiative and it wasn't until Iron Man 2 that I really looked into it. I was like, oh, oh my gosh, this is happening. We're doing a crossover. That's amazing. Uh, so enough on my experience about the movie. Let's talk about the cast. Because this is an amazing cast, obviously. I mean, <laughs> Terrence Howard as James Rhodes. I liked him as, as Rhodey, as War Machine, if you want to call him that at this stage in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But... I was already a big fan of Don Cheadle watching and growing up with the Ocean's Eleven movies, and when I heard that he was going to play War Machine, Rhodey, I got so hyped. I was like, yes! Because this guy is a fantastic actor. Totally. Yeah, forget Terrence Howard. And, you know, I like Terrence Howard. I think he's a great actor. He was definitely really good in this movie. A uh, Very solid performance, and great supporting character, but I don't know. I just I never you know. Once you compare him to Don Cheadle and what he's even what he's even done with the role going forward, it's like yeah I I, I like it. <laughs> and it, I mean even uh, you know Favreau cast him because he wanted him. He felt like he could pull off War Machine, the superhero, in a sequel. And of course, that didn't pan out because he wanted too much money <laughs> and was booted off the process, which, you know, too bad for him, because he could have gotten a big pay raise if he had stayed on and played his cards right, so, but whatever, I, like I said, I like Don Cheadle as as War Machine, I think that's a better choice, uh, Jeff Bridges as Obadiah Stain, Warmonger, or not Warmonger, Ironmonger, sorry, (laughs) just great, I mean, Jeff Bridges, he really, he does something that we've never seen him do before, at least not in my experience of watching Jeff Bruce. Because, I mean, it's the dude. It's Kevin Flynn from Tron, Tron Legacy. It's He's a goofy guy. And it's like you'd never expect a guy like that in a serious, sinister villain role. And he really, like, personifies sinister. Because he really has, like, very selfish desires and selfish goals and motives, and he really tries to screw Tony over to get what he wants. And, you know, I think he's a very underrated villain in the MCU. People say Loki's a great villain. I, I still think Loki's the best villain in the MCU, but Jeff Bridges' Iron Monger is definitely, definitely in the top five for best villains in the MCU. No, Without a doubt, in my mind, just great performance from Jeff Bridges. Um... Sean Tobe as Jensen, I don't really know this actor, but Jensen plays a pivotal part, he's really pivotal to the origin story of Iron Man, and I loved how little he's in the movie, but how how big of an impact he has, not just on Tony Stark, but on us, like, we learn to love and sympathize with this character, who really learns to love Tony as a friend, and, you know, becomes... Tony's first real friend who understands him. You know, you can you can argue that um, Roadie understands him too, and he's you know best friends with him too. But this guy really, they're forced to work together and to share each other's experiences and each other's struggles. And it's it's a very beautiful performance um, by the actor. I'm not going to try to pronounce his name again because I'm afraid to pronounce it wrong. But yeah, Jensen is is one of the best characters in this movie. And I I put him above almost everybody except for Robert Downey Jr., to be honest. And then there's Gwyneth Paltrow's Pepper Potts, who, you know, is a mainstay and one of the OG players of the MCU. It's like you can't picture this franchise in relation to Iron Man without Gwyneth Paltrow's Pepper Potts. You know, and I can't even think of anybody else who would play Pepper Potts. It's just like it's a... She really... Consumed that role, um, and it's, it's kind of funny how you know she's obviously the love interest, but she starts out as, as an assistant and somewhat underappreciated in a way. Um, you know, there's not really any romance between them; they're just friends. And through awkward experiences and sort of this realization that they've been together for so long, and this platonic um, uh, boss uh, coworker relationship that you know it doesn't come up until these very awkward situations and the sexuality between the the two of them is not blatant and it's not exploiting uh pepper as this sex sex icon uh to throw around iron man she's a very capable independent woman who really you know helps save the day she she's the one who busts Obadiah Stane and get shield on, on their case. And, you know, she's technically the one that kills Obadiah Stane when she, uh, activates the arc reactor. And it's really, you know, it's a strong female role before strong female roles were scarce, really. Um, and, you know, their, their, their chemistry is very, you know, romantic comedy, like, you know, I mean, the, dialogue in here is, I don't know if it's even written because it's so well constructed as like, it almost feels improvised, and that's just, you know a uh, compliment to the actors who do a master job of um, making it feel natural, and I, I really applaud any actor who can make a script feel feel not spoken, or like oh, I'm reading from a script, or these are words that were written on a script, and yeah, these these two just knocked it out of the park. And then, of course, I've been avoiding it, but I'm going to get into it. Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark, Iron Man. There will never be another, like, Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. I struggle to not to confuse Tony Stark and, and Robert Downey Jr., you know, because the names are just so interchangeable. Like, Robert Downey Jr., personifies everything about Tony Stark not just as a character but you know in his normal life do you just watch interviews with him when he's not even talking about the avengers and he acts like Tony Stark so it's just hard it's it's sometimes hard to not say i love the movie with tony stark i mean robert downey jr you know it's it's hard but just a master job i don't i mean he's a likeable asshole as as they as they call him in this movie And, you know, he was obviously going through a very rough time. Robert Downey Jr. was struggling with um, uh, addictions and stuff. And it seems like this movie, I don't know if this is true or not, but really kind of is, you know, I feel like he could relate to that that struggle of, like, you know, changing his perspective on the world and really reinventing himself and thinking about his legacy, the legacy of his father's company, all these things. And uh, Robert Downey Jr., the person thinking about his legacy and what he's going to leave behind. And it's just a very beautiful performance by Robert Downey Jr. And, you know, I watching behind-the-scenes stuff, you just see how, how excited he gets about talking about this movie. Like, he loves, he just loves movies. And that's a passion you don't see very often in actors that just love making movies and love the whole process. And you talk about how much Robert Downey Jr. trained, like, you know, lifting weights for this movie. He was a real, like, military... Um, military nut, uh, History Channel type guy, uh, who just loved the idea of like weapons of mass destruction. But there's a guy who makes his own weapons and then uses them um, to fight crime. He just you know loved all that stuff, and that's just great to see that enthusiasm in an actor. Obviously, Paul Bettany plays Jarvis. Uh, I always I always knew about Paul Bettany as a as an actor, and I thought it was very interesting that um, people naturally gravitated towards Jarvis eventually becoming Vision. Uh, Because I called that, like, two years before Avengers Age of Ultron, like, watch Jarvis will become uh, Vision. And, you know, Paul Bettany plays a very minor role in these films, obviously, but um, he becomes a character. He becomes one of uh, Tony Stark's um, um, closest uh, confidants. And it's a relationship I really like because, you know, Jarvis tends to try to take care of uh, Tony and he, you know, obviously says the right thing to do, but then Tony obviously says the opposite. And it's just a really fun um, playing off each other, the two characters playing off each other, and it adds for some great dialogue from Robert Downey Jr. because you, he's a talking character. You want to see him talk constantly. Like I could hear Robert Downey Jr. talk, improvise all day to Jarvis. It's just a funny. Um, funny uh, uh, interaction between the two characters. Um, Let's see who else is in this movie. Lizzie Bibb plays Christine Everhart. Uh, Clark Gregg appears as Phil Coulson, uh, obviously an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. I I didn't realize how big that role was going to be until Thor. Because you see the post-credit scene where where he goes to Texas, I believe, and, and sees Thor's hammer. And that's when I realized, like, oh, gosh, we're doing this we're crossing over. This is huge. This is insane. And Phil Coulson is one of my favorite characters in this whole thing. And I wished I wish they the, they bring him back for Infinity War because he is pivotal to the Avengers. He is the one who is avenged in the first Avengers. And he's still alive. He's still kicking out, he's still kicking it out there in Agents of Shield. I hope to god Marvel gets their act together and brings him back because like I said, he's, he's pivotal to this. He is the bridge that brings everything together. And, you know, I don't know if he was always going to supposed to die in Avengers, but the fact that he is used as this emotional, um, this emotional draw for the characters to come together through Thor, through, uh, Tony Stark, uh, you know, Hulk and, uh, Captain America don't really know him, but you know, it brings most of the characters together to avenge Phil Coulson. And uh, seeing the relationship between Phil Coulson and Tony develop through Avengers, where you know, Tony learns to really care about him, uh, it's great. It's great. Bring back Phil Coulson. <laughs> obviously, John Favreau puts himself in there as Happy Hogan. Uh, obviously, he's a great mainstay, and he's embodied that character, and you can't. You can't recast a role as small as Happy Hogan with anybody else because it's Jon Favreau, and you kind of owe it to him for what he's done with this franchise. He directed a great first movie, kicking off the franchise, and now you bring him back, and now you keep him. You keep you, he wanted to be, play that role, just as a little Easter egg, a little cameo, but then they keep expanding it, and you know, up to, up to Spider Spider-Man: Homecoming, where he just has this hilarious. Relationship with spider-man, and I just yeah, I love it. It's great Happy Hogan for days Um, uh, okay. I'm not gonna mention anything else except okay, uh, Nick Fury that post credit scene. What a fantastic Way to kick off and explain how this universe is going to expand because you know, like I said Iron Man was released as a single film that like we don't know if we're gonna be able to do a all-avengers movie but Let's just release one movie and give it a shot. See what happens. And they made the last minute call to shoot a post credit scene with casting Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury, who I should mention that Samuel L. Jackson uh, was used as like a frame of reference for the modern day comic version of Nick Fury at the time. The black version with the eye patch in the comics, they used hit the likeness of Sam Jackson to make that character. So it's just it's just Destiny, written in the stars, that Sam Jackson played Nick Fury. He's still playing Nick Fury, I should add. Um, so I just thought that was fantastic and a great, great, um, great last minute call for Kevin Feige and the whole Marvel team to do. And that opened the door to we'll be getting Hulk, Iron Man two, Thor, Captain America, and then leading up to the Avengers and the future of that. Like this is the post credit scene that set the precedent for what to expect from a marvel movie and this and it became a you know became an event these movies have become events because you're expecting to have the time of your life and then after you have the time of your life get a tease at what's to come because that's what comics were doing they would comics would always tease what's to come at the end you know like a final couple pages revealing some frames and images and so it's just like It's like the truest form of a comic book being turned into a movie, and it's just, it's amazing. It's so fun and so cool to think about uh, the post-credit scene sort of being um, an element from the comics brought over to the movies. Uh, It's it's crazy to think that this movie was in development from 1990, and just, like, so many crazy things, like Tom Cruise was going to be in the movie, Modoc was going to be the villain... Nicolas Cage was going to play him. Uh, just other crazy things that were they were going to do with this movie. Uh, even Joss Whedon was going to direct it at the time because he was a fan of the character. Of course, you know, things worked out to his uh, advantage even more when he got to direct The Avengers. So it's just little things like that. Uh, I'm going to wrap this up because I don't really have much more to say except... Um, yeah, so let me let me just do my final thoughts on this movie. Iron Man, as I said, it kicked off this this whole thing, and there's just so many great elements from the cast to the crew, to you know the the, the effects from ILM and Stan Winston, um, all these things that come together to make just a solid movie, and that's what I want the takeaway of this to be is that. Iron Man, yes, kicked off an entire franchise, but at the end of the day, it's just one movie standing on its own being a great film. And that's why I think people need to focus on more. It's not making franchise starters, it's making one solid movie that inspires an audience that really gets people excited because the story's so well put together, the characters are well put together, the movie is just fun. And if we focus on that, we'll get more good movies. Don't worry about your franchise. Obviously, you want to set things up. I mean, heck, Iron Man set stuff up with, like, War Machine, with uh, the future of Pepper Potts and Tony Stark's relationship. All those things were set up in the movie, but they were set up so subtly that you didn't think about what's going to happen going forward. You thought about this as a solid movie. This is great. It stands on its own so well. And you know, I, I like I say, I wish more movies would try to focus on just telling solid stories instead of trying to be these insane, you know, building a universe like the mummy or or I don't know, DC and what they're screwing around with with Batman v. Superman just trying to Kick off a uni- <clears throat> excuse me, kick off a universe. Focus on telling one good story, build up to it and earn it. And Iron Man is a product of that. It earned its place. It helped the MCU earn its status it has today. And it's why the films are so popular. Because Kevin Feige knew what he wanted to do. He stuck with that. And now he's been able to do bigger and better things. But he is such a genius because he played his cards right and made a movie that knocked the socks off everybody who had no one knew who Iron Man was. Now, everybody loves Iron Man. Everybody loves saying, I am Iron Man. They love Tony Stark. They love Robert Downey Jr. They love the cast, everybody involved, and it kicked off an entire universe that's going to be, you know, concluding at least this chapter Uh, this coming this coming summer so yeah Iron Man phenomenal movie great kicking off of the Marvel Cinematic Universe i also want to add that I'm going to be taking this opportunity to add my personal ranking of the MCU as well and I can't really you know obviously this is the first film so I can't say where it sits right now but I'm I'm going to say that I put Iron Man in the top 10 at least. It's, I don't know if it's the best or my favorite Iron Man movie because I really love Iron Man 3. I know people hate that movie because of the Mandarin and other things, but uh, I, I really enjoy that movie almost more than this one. I think it's because it builds on so many things set up in this very first movie, but I won't argue that this movie is definitely the better one, but personally, I love Iron Man 3. Anyways, uh, I I definitely put this movie in the top 10. As we get through more MCU films, we'll start to see, like, what my definitive ranking of the MCU is. But right now, yeah, top 10, I think, is good for this movie. All right, well, that's it. That's the podcast episode. Hopefully this was a short one. I can't really tell because I had to... I got some new audio equipment. I'm still trying to test it out, and the batteries I had, unfortunately, don't work. So I had to uh, plug it into my computer to keep a consistent charge, but... Uh, yeah, a lot of exciting changes are coming that I'm really excited about with the podcast. Uh, I just got this brand new piece of equipment, Mixpre 3. Uh, it's a great little mixer and helps me manage my uh, audio equipment and recording stuff. It just makes things a lot easier for me. And I'm currently going to be getting some brand new equipment that's going to make things even more easier for me or easy to put bring on special guests and... Um, hopefully better quality audio too. I know, I mean, I'm recording on a, I'm recording on a Sennheiser NKE 400. Uh, I thought this was going to be a good mic for podcasting and film, but I don't use it a lot for film. And when I have special guests, it's kind of hard to use. So I'm really excited for the changes that are coming for this podcast, hopefully in the next, uh, month or two. And, uh, yeah, you'll be, you'll, hopefully you'll tell the difference from audio, uh, when you, Hopefully you'll all will be able to tell the difference in audio quality when those changes come. Alright, well thank you all for watching this episode of the Vince Salerno Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, hit that like button, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Where you can check out my short films, trailer reactions, and more episodes of the Vince Salerno Podcast. What What do you think of Iron Man? I want to know you guys' thoughts. Let me know in the comments below. Uh, let me know your insights. What you guys think of the movie? Did you like it? Did you not like it? Uh, and what's your ranking of this movie? And what are your thoughts on just everything about Iron Man? Obviously, next week the next movie on the slate for our journey to the M, our journey to Infinity War is going to be The Incredible Hulk, which I actually haven't seen all the way through. So it'll be really interesting to see uh, what I think of seeing the film from start to finish, uh, including post-credit scenes and everything. So, so yeah, I'm excited to see what my insights are on that, and I'm looking forward to hearing your guys' thoughts on these movies as well. All right, well, I gotta go. (laughs) Okay, thank you all for watching again. Have a great rest of the week. God bless, and peace out.